This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome back, everybody. We appreciate you being here with us. I'm Joey Powell. We are here on the Coast to Coast podcast, talking a little hoops with you. I uh, appreciate you tuning in to Inside Carolina's network of pods. Uh, InsideCarolina.com is your leader for information about all things UNC athletics. I really hate to say all things, too, and I just kicked off the show with it. That's just not, that's, that's not getting us a good frame of mind. But you know what is going to get us in a good frame of mind? When I bring in Sherell McMillan and Sean Moran. Boys, how y'all doing? Doing well. Probably a little better than Sherell with the uh, Cowboys game today. Wow. Now, yeah. Why you got to bring up old stuff, man? I'm trying to get us back on the right track, and here you go jerking the wheel of the car into a bridge embankment. No, nah, I just, you know, Google my – I just Google, you know, top nose tackles, top defensive tackles in college football, <laughs> and that's, that's going to be my next five months. So That's making yeah. you feel better. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way to channel yourself. You got your fruit yeah. snacks, so I know you're all right. Yeah, I'm good. It's, it, it's good to have people that are easy to please, despite when they're – their co-host decided to just submarine them with a random twisting of the blade about the uh, just trying to just trying to motivate them. <laughs> <laughs> well, good stuff, man. I appreciate you guys being here. Appreciate our listeners and viewers checking us out. As always, take a second, review us, rate us, let us know what you think is good, bad, or indifferent. We definitely want to make sure that we're putting out good content. Uh, I don't want to waste Sherelle's time or Sean's time or your time. So if we're doing things that you don't like or there's stuff, stuff you want to see more of, give us a heads up. Uh, let Ben, let Buck know, let anybody that uh, are the powers that be at Inside Carolina, they're all accessible. They want to hear back from you guys. So give us that review or give us some feedback. We want to make sure we're doing good stuff. want to make sure I give a huge plug for our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. You know the drill. They're local. They've been locally owned forever. And right now in the midst of a shrinking economy, we got to take care of the people that are close by us, both figuratively and literally. And Johnny T-Shirt is one of those companies that's done that. They support all of Inside Carolina's content. They support this show, all the other pods that you listen to. They support our Inside Carolina live radio shows on Saturdays, which if you're not checking that out, please do. Uh, I can't, you know, can't do much about the, the co-host content there, but hey, Tommy's good, so there's that. Um, boys, let's talk a little basketball. What say you? I, I'm sitting here looking and... You know, we talked about the last show that we were getting ready to start practice. We we're getting ready to start practice. And holy heck, we actually did, right? Um, but before we get into this current team, I know that things really haven't made a lot of news for the Tar Heels and folks that follow Tar Heel recruiting. But there have been some pieces that have fallen elsewhere, which does affect North Carolina's recruiting board. Uh, first, and we felt like it was trending this way, Rel, you want to give everybody the the update and probably, I guess, in this case, a postmortem for Scott Clark and his UNC recruitment? Yeah, you know, it was um, kind of uh, 
it started off very strong and then kind of, I would say kind of whimpered out there at the end. And what I mean by that is that he um, really, I think Kentucky was always on his mind. And I think behind the scenes, he really thought he was going to commit to Kentucky a while ago, maybe say July or August. And then there was this whole reclass thing that he's still weighing. And I think there were conversations that needed to be had between him and Kentucky about when they wanted him, um, what class he wanted to be in and working through all that. And I think that maybe caused some trepidation on the family's part. And then as that happened, North Carolina kind of snuck in there and said, Hey, you know, we're, we're here and we like you and uh, we'd love to have you in 2022 if that's what you want to do. So come on down. And that attention and get to know Roy Williams, I really think at one point pushed North Carolina into the lead. And I think once that happened, uh, then Kentucky kind of came back and said, okay, you know, we're fine. We're good. Um, let's have a conversation. Let's settle this all out. And once they had that conversation, you know, it led to his commitment to Kentucky last week. Sean, where does this leave the Tar Heels with regards to, you know, the other guys on the board? You know, we were recapping it before we got the show started, but I'm looking at Kaufman, Holmgren, Baldwin, and then, Salas uh, in the spring. I mean, wh where do you feel like this leaves the Tar Heels with this class and those four guys? Yeah, I mean, I guess going back to Clark, the question was, would he stay in 22 or would he reclass in 21? Uh, if I had to put money on it right now, I still think he'll end up in 21, but we'll see on that. So if you're going on, on that premise, um, you know, it, it leaves, leaves the Tar Heels without a whole lot of uh, – you know, at least offers out right now in the rising senior class. Um, you know, you, the players you mentioned, Baldwin, Holmgren, um, are, you know, probably not that realistic. Um, maybe Baldwin a little bit more than Holmgren, but, um, you know, still a, still kind of a <laughs> long shot. And then you have Kaufman, who I think people believe will end up uh, at a Big Ten school, even though he did um, visit the campus. And then, comes all down to Hunter Salas, who we've been talking about for a while. And once again, you know, I think if, if we're, if UNC was going to get any of the, you know, five-star players, he would be the top option just given what he would bring to the table um, and, and how that would fit with what the team's projected to be. So, um, you know, I think once again, there's not a lot of options out there, but if UNC is able to look more at the transfer market, um, and not really this, the, the grad transfer market where you're looking at, you know, low major guys jumping up to high major, but if you're able to, um, open that up a little bit, then I think you have a little more flexibility and the pressure is not on as much. Um, and then you're able to continue looking at 2022, which it does seem that they're doing with the most recent offer. And, you know, the 2022 class is getting expanded a lot quicker than 21 ever did. Well, you're making my job easy for me and, you know, teasing that 2022 offer that just came out. Um, do you want to make any mentions of uh, Jairus Walker? Yeah, I mean, I was actually hoping to get to watch um, watch him in this Arizona tournament. Um, and, by, you know, as we're recording, the game hasn't been played, but it looks like he's nursing an injury. Um, but, you know, given – I think he brings a very unique skill set in terms of, one, his size and athleticism, um, but two, really his – his passing ability, uh, which I don't think you really see from a guy who is built like that. Um, so I think for, for him was, you know, top, top 10 player in that class, uh, obviously the G league, I think will 
be a key player in that. So with him and Bradley, uh, both IMG players, those are really kind of the two, two main players that UNC could be competing with from that perspective. But I think, um, I think it's a, a good offer. I know a lot of people have been wanting that offer for a while and it, he does seem like a, you know, from a talent perspective, obviously a fit as well as from a, you know, personality, you know, personality perspective as well. Shirley, got anything you want to add about Walker and that offer and how that all materialized? I, I do think <clears throat> so. It, it materialized. I think um, they've been able to watch him for some time. So if you recall, Armando Baycott, Josh Green, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl uh, were all at IMG Academy, Jairus Walker's first year. So all three of those guys had UNC offers. Obviously, Baycott ended up at UNC, and they recruit, recruited the other two pretty hard. So they they had been, you know, seeing him even if it was just in scrimmages at, at IMG or in games at IMG since he's been a freshman. So they had a pretty good idea. They also have a really good relationship with uh, Sean McElhone, who's the coach down at IMG. He coached at Davison High School, obviously coached Baycott, so they know him pretty well. So I think they had a good feel for who he is as a player, and um, I, I think they like that they know he's getting good coaching. And the fact that he's been at a school like IMG for three years just puts him so far ahead of what you would get for someone who just went to a public high school, say in North Carolina or Virginia or South Carolina, or he's from Pennsylvania, so he's native Pennsylvania. Um, so you, you add all that stuff in. I think the worry for Walker and – kind of his player profile fit. And Sean, you can talk about this a, a little bit if you want, was that maybe, you know, the type of face up four that he might be doesn't really um, uh, fit too well into North Carolina system, or they've had players who have that skill set who haven't fit too well. Mm -hmm. And I think um, the way that the staff is looking at it is that he's, he's way too more skilled than maybe people in the past who have, have a similar build or a similar body style and play that position. Um, and that kind of alleviates the worry in that he can play so many different positions and he, he's so smart on the basketball court that you don't worry about some of those deficiencies that might come with someone who's a tweener. I think that it's really unique and <clears throat> excuse me, it's not, I want to say it's unique, but it's becoming more and more commonplace too, that if you go after a five-star kid now uh, and you get really deeply recruiting him, a lot of times that G League conversation, like Sean mentioned a second ago, is starting to pop up more and more. And I think that it's going to be really, going to be really neat to see how that plays out and how, you know, the high major schools and the blue bloods typically how they cater around that. Cause we've talked on here before and you guys have done a great job of contextualizing it, but some of these kids just aren't North Carolina type players. Right. But some of them are. And I think that's a really weird twist. Uh, it just, you know, I guess in addition to all the COVID stuff that we're dealing with, that's a really weird twist. Rel, how do you feel like that's that's currently uh, – how's that hitting the staff? Like how is the staff, you know, really playing with that G League option kind of hovering out on the horizon? Well, I mean, they, they know about it, but there's – I mean, there's – you know, <laughs> they, they know about it and um, they can't really compete with it. Some schools may be able to compete with it, uh, but North Carolina doesn't. So – I didn't uh, want to walk you into that, but, I, I, you know, there's <laughs> – you saw that you see the fear on my face and in my voice when I was like, do I say this or do I don't? But yeah, some schools can match the G League's offer and some schools do. And so, you know, the same thing North Carolina does with those schools. They they sell what they have. They sell their, you know, the, the brand of UNC, the family and all that stuff. And if it's good enough, it's good enough. If it's not, they move on. Um, you know, it, it's definitely hovering around, but it's, it's something that they can't really control. So, you know, what can you do? 
Um, so that, that's what I would say is that they just, they've done a good job of just kind of keeping their head down and, and trying to find players. And if somebody goes to the G league, then it's just, it's not any different from competing with, you know, other schools and, you know, it's already hard enough to get five-star talent <laughs> and then you add in the G league option. So, um, you know, they're just trying to find more players. And I think you've seen that with 2022, just the amount of interest. I mean, they don't have as many offers, um, out maybe as some people would like, but the amount of interest that they've shown or players that they've called is by far the most that we've seen since we've been doing this um, at, at this stage in the class. So um, great opportunity for a segue here. Sean, have you seen Dylan Andrews yet? And Dylan Andrews, for those who aren't uh, really up on it, I think it came out today or at least in the last 24 hours. He has a top eight that includes UNC, uh, five-star guard in the 2022 class, correct? That's right. Um, have you seen him play yet, Sean? Um, yeah, I have been able to see him in person. Uh, just, well, I guess last February. So <laughs> not, not, you know, probably a few weeks before all live events shut down. Uh, you know, my house is about 10 minutes from his high school. So just swung by a game, kind of a random early playoff game. Because uh, on his team, it's him as well as Kajani Wright who uh, are both five-star now rising juniors. Um, so I was able to see uh, both of them in person. I'd seen Wright at uh, USA Basketball before, but I hadn't seen uh, Andrews. And when watching him, you know, the, the things that stuck out immediate, immediately, um, one is size. I think he's listed at 6'4", so I put him at 6'3". At uh, but two in terms of just how athletic he was and how quick his first step was uh, were some of the things that, uh, popped out to me. I think on the message boards, I threw out Xavier Johnson from Pittsburgh, just in, not in terms of a style of play, but in terms of a body type and body shape. Yeah. Body shape. And just that, that really quick first step. Um, I think for him, uh, you know, he, you know, some of the other games on film that I've seen, he's been able to knock down the three. I don't think that's kind of the, a strong suit right now, but it's not, you know, he's not completely deficient in that. So it's really kind of the size and athleticism uh, that are his strong suits right now, um, as well as his defensive ability. You know, another kind of a live stream game that I rewatched was him going against Sky Clark. So at the time, you know, really two of the top sophomores uh, in obviously Southern California, as well as the, the country. And Sky Clark did pretty well, but any, you know, for the most part, Sky Clark wasn't guarding him on the defensive end. And when he was, he had trouble staying in front of him. Um, so I think Sky Clark had a more advanced skill set offensively, but he definitely didn't have the athleticism. So I think it's unique. We have really haven't heard much regarding UNC and that discussion. Um, and most of the other schools are the Pac-12 schools, Kansas, et cetera. So it will be interesting to see how or if that one progresses. And another player, you know, Kajani Wright, um, who I think we actually brought up after I'd seen him in person. But once again, he's, a, I think, ranked right around Walker. And he's a guy that's 6'8", six, 6'9", six, um, doesn't really have the outside game uh, right now, but very athletic, really aggressive on the boards. And I think he's a guy that I wouldn't mind seeing UNC show some interest in down the road, just because I don't think his game screams NBA right off the bat. Um, where, you know, he has the athleticism and some other intangibles, but, you know, I, I think he could definitely see a year in college. So 
Um, that, that's kind of the report from the West Coast on those guys. So this is not the topic I wanted to talk about, but I have a question for Sean real quick, Joey. So like, I mean, Sean, what do you think about California recruits for UNC? Because <laughs> since, since Travis and David Ware, I'm, I'm going through my mind and I remember Ivan Rav, uh, Zaire Williams, and I guess we can count Sky Clark, but I, I'm sure I'm missing one or two, but I mean, there haven't been but a handful since the Ware Twins transfer. And, you know, I think if North Carolina was, you know, 500 miles from, from Zaire, he definitely would be at UNC as opposed to Stanford. So do you think, do you think they have the, the, I can't, I'm th- trying to think of the right word. Um, the recruiting willpower cachet. for lack of cachet. Yeah. Well, whatever phrase you want to use. Moxie to, is also a good yeah, one to, there. Moxie to go into LA and to get a player and bring them all the way to the other coast. I mean, I think it's definitely difficult. I feel like early on, um, Roy was able to leverage that UNC or kind of the Kansas, California pipeline mm-hmm. pretty well. And then with the Ware Twins and Larry Drew, and you know, that's really where all most of the transfers have come from is, is Southern California. Um, and then you can throw in Alex Stevenson in there as well. Um, you bring up a good point about Zaire because I think they were on him pretty early, not as early as Stanford, but. Um, you know, he did, he did make it out there, but I remember that was kind of the hardest part was just trying to figure out a time when everybody could make it cross country and, and do that. So, you know, do I, do I think recruiting in California give, you know, gives Carolina a leg up? Definitely not. Cause I feel there is that initial excitement and then it kind of comes back down to, you know, what's a little more, a little more local. I mean, even I remember talking to, I think it was Zaire's mother and she was excited just because Carolina was a, you know, what in her words, kind of a true basketball school versus UCLA and USC. You go to these games and, you know, the crowds are half, half filled. I guess that might not be an issue for the next year or two, but, um, you know, I, I think it, it doesn't make it easy just given the distance, um, you know, the cachet, I think UNC Kansas have that over really the PAC 12 schools. But at the end of the day, I, I do think it, makes it a lot easier for the Pac-12 schools to win out uh, in, in any of these types of recruitments. Because like Arizona might be playing themselves out of it too. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Arizona. <laughs> we can go ahead and make that a top seven. Because, um, no, I was just – I was thinking about Zaire, and it's like if they couldn't get that kid with the yeah. way he talked about, you know, wanting to <clears> – <throat> he talked about, you know, wanting to experience different things and culture and all that stuff, I just wonder, you know, if, if it's worth putting resources into California at all. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I feel like they haven't put a whole lot. In, I mean, obviously Zaire, but it's not like they're, you know, having one guy, one coach just come out here all the time. Um, so, especially now with the, you know, the, the travel restrictions, you know, maybe, maybe now's the time to recruit. And then, you know, even again, you know, outside of Zaire, there also hasn't really been a huge talent boom in Southern California or just California. In general, I mean, you can go back. I think class of 2015 when they were going after Jeter and um, Chase and Chase Jeter and and Zimmerman in Vegas. So I mean, there has been that on the West Coast, but in general, the West Coast I don't think has had you know, as much talent as way way back when they when they used to. Um, but yeah, I mean, Zaire was a player, and I remember just talking. You know, once again talking to him. He had been to Stanford. Was talking about the UNC visit had real excitement in his voice talking about it. Um, but he was a guy I thought like, you know, similar to, you know, a, a Jackson or some of the recruitments in the past that 
they needed to lock him up really before the spring AU period, before things extended and, and other, you know, other things came into play. Um, and one, once that kind of extended, you kind of lost a little bit of, bit of hope. Um, so, I, I mean, I think you, you explore it and if it does seem feasible, you know, spend some resources, but once again, it, it, there hasn't been that much success. There also hasn't been that much talent. So I, I think, you know, they haven't been overextending themselves in terms of the West Coast recruitment, but it definitely presents hurdles that the Midwest or, um, you know, Southeast, East Coast won't have. I love that Sean stopped just short of saying that he had no love for death row and the West Coast. That was, <laughs> that was impressive. Um, anything else you guys want to add? Rail, you want to throw something else in about the, the 2021 class? Yeah, so, you know, I'm I'm always accused. It's so funny because I'm accused of being the positive person when it comes to this stuff. You and I, I don't, like it's a bad thing. I, well, you know, I, I don't think I'm necessarily positive. I just try to look at both sides of the angle, which is hilarious because when it comes to other sports, especially none Carolina affiliated, I'm a nutcase. Anyway, <laughs> um, so you know, I've seen a lot of talk on from our subscribers about the 2021 class. Mm -hmm. um, it ranges from excitement that they've got two top 100 players who are you know either live in or from North Carolina to, wow, they missed on all these five stars. And I, I just think the conversation needs to be had that, again, we are in the middle of, and, you know, back to the commercials from March, unprecedented situation. It's never happened before, new normal, whatever term you want to use. And now you know, more than ever before. <laughs> yeah. I, I think people just have to realize that in this recruiting environment, you know, everybody's kind of guessing because, um, when it comes to 2022, we've already had the conversation about film and not being able to see people. Even with 2021, there's a lot of guys who would have gotten um, heavy evals from UNC over the summer. Right. Uh, maybe guys who were ranked in the top 25 or maybe guys who were ranked in the top 50 and they just didn't have the option to do that. So it's kind of a situation where they have to say, okay, we're going to go after the known quantities. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Like Sean said, just kind of see what happens. And if they bite, then you know, push things forward. And then they have guys who, you know, I think they knew liked Carolina, who they thought they sec could secure, who they didn't have to invest a ton of travel resources and time as far as flying and stuff and done in styles. Two very, you know, guys I think who are going to be good players at UNC at some point, but they're in the state. So it's not like a, a heavy burden. Um, so then you have guys in the middle who, like I said, probably would have gotten evaluations and they decided not to offer those guys. So I think people just have to realize they're, they're doing math here. It's like, well, do, do you recruit a guy who you haven't seen, who you don't really know much about character wise, other than what you've talked to people on, on the phone for a few times and risk having that person at your school for two, three, four years? Or do you just kind of wait and say, you know, the roster's all right. You know, obviously it could be better, but we're, we're trying to, you know, figure that out. And I think it's it's different answer for different staffs. And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I think you've seen some schools like uh, like Louisville, for example, take guys who, <clears throat> you know, never visited <laughs> the campus, take guys who um, maybe they didn't get a chance to eval really, really well. But they said, you know what, we know they're kind of talented. We're going to grab them. North Carolina went and took a different approach. And like I said, I don't think one is right or wrong. I think people kind of need to give the staff, and I know no one wants to do this, give the staff a little bit of breathing room as far as um, calling the class a failure because, you know, nobody's ever recruited in, situ in a situation like this. John, well, do, you, do you agree or Joey, do you agree? I would, I would take it a step further. And, uh, it, you know, it's not even give this staff a break just so much as just recognize that there is no baseline for this. There is no precedent for anyone – 
fan, subscriber, or otherwise to compare this period to? And while you were sitting there running down the kind of the way the typical recruiting process works, and, and you and Sean have talked about this a lot, UNC, especially at least since I've been paying attention, has gotten involved late with some kids that have ended up becoming Tar Heels. And when I say late, I mean kids that, you know, that really didn't blossom until their senior year of high school. And that's been thrown out this past year, right? Like there's just no opportunity, like you said, Rel, to, to give those kids, uh, you know, a look and then maybe a chance to, to go see them play a couple of times and then maybe an offer. Like that's just, that's out the window. So I, I'm with you. I don't think there's a right or wrong. And I think that I, I would strongly echo your sentiments of, of caution whenever anybody wants to kind of put a rubber stamp on this class. Cause one, I don't, I, I'm not sure that the dust is completely settled yet. I don't mean, I think there are offers coming, but I mean, we just don't know what things are going to look like. And, and two, I'm with you. It's just, it's so different. And you and Sean have done a great job of just banging at home about how weird this recruiting process has been for the last nine months. Sean, what, uh, how do you feel about what real teed up there? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, one, it's always, I always enjoy it is kind of going back through the kind of the IC archives and you look at some of the yeah. live, the live event threads and you can, whether it's the spring or summer, but just how many players are listed initially and then how that kind of gets filtered through in terms of, you know, the assistant coach viewings to uh, Roy Williams viewings and just the ebb and flow. Um, and you really didn't have maybe those 20, 30 players. Obviously there's been the, the you know, Brizzies and, and other players that have popped up here and there, but you never really had that ebb and flow. Um, you have, you know, looking, looking ahead to that, you know, 21, 22 season, um, you have players returning. And I, I think the guard spot's probably the, you know, the one that everybody's talked about the most um, in terms of the recruiting class, getting, getting, um, styles and done your 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 floor at least increases um versus like if you hadn't gotten any recruits like that would have been you know been kind of devastating but now you have two guys that might not be impact players from day one but uh, you know there's a potential for them to grow into whether it's year two three or four um so yeah i mean i i think i'm fairly happy with with what's come out obviously if they could get salas that would be great but um, you know, the guys that they they've offered, I think even those guys early on back in December, January, we knew would be difficult, you know, when you're talking about Chandler and right. some of the other players. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So go ahead. So I just, and just one more point, like, (laughs) um, so we're talking about evaluations and we're talking about how rosters are constructed and all that. Think about this. 
Caleb Love wasn't offered until after the spring evaluation period. RJ Davis wasn't offered until, you know, late July, I believe it was. Puff Johnson wasn't offered until after the spring evaluation period. Kerwin Walton wasn't offered until last September. So those are four players, four players who can be very important for North Carolina this season who didn't get offers until after the UNC staff watched them, you know, right. into their senior, into their senior summer, the summer before their senior season or into their senior season. And they didn't have that opportunity this year and it was taken from them. And so, you know, I just think, I just think when you, people have, again, have to realize just how much they value evaluations. And I, again, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but you just have to understand like, why didn't they offer this guy? Why didn't they offer this guy? I think it's just because, you know, they've done things a certain way for a long time and they've won a lot of games doing it that way. And I think it'd be uh, kind of foolish to expect them, you know, Williams is about to turn either just turn 70 or is about to turn 70 to change significantly this late in the game. So I, I just, it's always fascinating for me to, again, to see the urgency outside of the Smith Center with the urgency yeah. in the Smith Center. It just, it never matches up. And even though I know that and our fans know that, it, it just always is funny to see. It's omnipresent, if you will. And it's, <laughs> yeah. it's got a lot of, it's got a lot of nuance in and amongst itself. And speaking of nuance, you know, I mentioned top of the show that we, you know, we saw the Tar Heels officially start practice last week. Um, we did get a, a media day, I think this past Wednesday from Roy Williams and some of the players. And I mentioned to you guys before we started, Am I just too soured on last season's results? Or do I feel like from his comments, Roy actually likes his team maybe than he maybe more than he usually does at this time in the season? Trell? Yeah, I I you know, like I told you off air, I just <laughs> I just think he's like just sick of last year. He doesn't want to think about it. And anything that helps him start to erase that from his memory is a positive. Um I do think, you know, he's got more guard depth than he had last year. He's got more front court depth. He can get back to playing the way that he's typically pay, played throughout his coaching career. So I, I think he probably is positive. And everything we've heard about the freshmen are, are that they are kind of no-nonsense guys who just really love playing basketball. And um, I think sometimes that can get uh, overstated a bit. But I think in the cases of these guys, um, they all – have kind of a chip on their shoulder for one reason or another, and they all are coming in with something to prove, and they all know they have an opportunity to play a ton if they just do what the coach asks. And I think when you add all that together, plus the losing season, I think you start to see some of that positivity, you know, once you add all that stuff together. Sean, what did you take away from some of the comments that came out from the players and the, and the staff this week? Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely overall positivity. Um, I mean, I think the, the main things are that there's going to be more depth, and I think the team's just going to be able to score easier. I mean, I think that was really, you know, last year, even <laughs> even that first game, the Notre Dame game, like Cole had a great game, but it was just, you're like, how, how are they going to get a basket um, a lot of the times? And I think with the depth that they have, um, now a lot of it is is unproven outside of Garrison, but at least you have options. You know, if with the big men, you have Garrison plus three other very capable players. Um, you know, guards, you have two, Talent, very talented freshmen. So, you know, are they going to be always consistent? No, but, you know, there's the ability to score and, and shoot the ball there. And then uh, from the wings, you have, you have some more options there. So I, I do think, you know, the positivity is warranted coming from last year. Um, you know, is it <clears throat> national championship type positivity? No, but I think it'll definitely be a more energetic and 
easier easier on the eyes team to watch <laughs> that's saying a lot it's it's funny when they had a you know in, i'm thinking about 93 you know they had the 21 foot of white with uh winstrom and and montross and salvadori but i mean this team's got 14 foot of walker like i just realized that this week <laughs> you know they're going through the going through the roster so i'll probably try to trademark that and and get that out into the world rel what do you got man I, and I would just say when when uh, is something I've learned just over the years, when he says something in, in a preseason press conference, you know, typically he's telling you the truth. Like yeah. last year, he said, I don't know how this team is going to score. And I was like, Except whatever, can't dude. score. You're right. Yeah, I was like, whatever, dude, you know, you're 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 sandbagging. You're just trying to, you know, get the guys to work hard or whatever. And the season started and they couldn't score. And that never really, you know, it, it improved some, but consistently they couldn't score. So I think when he says you know, I've got depth and, you know, I like my team. I think he's telling you exactly what he's seeing in practice. Granted, I think I've only had like eight or nine practices now, but I would just, that's another thing I would tell our subscribers and readers to do is when he says something like that, usually he's telling you the truth. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there that'll try to Jedi mind trick you or give you Uber coach speak. I'd have never gotten that from Roy. Like, I don't know that you can be folksy and also full of coach speak at the same time. I've never gotten that from him. And I just don't think, like you guys, that's why I let off the question that I did. I feel like he's he seems more happy with what he's got than he has in the past. So one of the things that I took away, too, was I don't think he's going to have any problem motivating these guys between the personalities that they have recruited and the personalities that are on the roster right now. You've heard me say it 100 times. He's got some dogs. And I think those are the types of players that he meshes well, uh, not just bringing his style, but also his coaching style. I think he meshes really well with those types of guys and he's got a bunch of them this year. So with that being said, Sean, I'll go to you first. Do you think it's, it's Garrison Brooks's team or do you think that there's going to be somebody else who takes a pretty strong, whether it's vocal or, or demonstrative, who do you think is going to take the leadership roles this year? I definitely think it's Garrison Brooks's team. Um, which is, you know, good. Obviously the, the main senior captain, he's gone, gone through the highs and the lows. Um, but I do think it provides an opportunity for one of the guards to kind of become that secondary sidekick almost in terms of, you know, that also leader on the court. Cause once again, knowing how important the point guard position is to UNC or really the ball handling position, um, you know, one of the, whether it's Davis or Love, one of those guys is going to have to step up, but there's not the pressure um, either vocally or in terms of number wise um, to kind of do that from the beginning. And I think last year, you know, the team lost a tremendous amount of talent, leadership, et cetera. And it's always difficult um, just to kind of naturally fill that. Um, and I think we, we saw that a lot of times trying to think it was going to be Cole because he was a you know five-star freshman and had all the, these accolades but it, it's tough to just kind of naturally snap of the fingers have that happen um, and I think you saw Garrison Brooks get better and better um, over the course of the year um, so I think that's more of a natural fit while allowing some of the younger guards <clears throat> excuse me to kind of fill that secondary secondary role from a leadership perspective. Well, I hate that this season's already getting you all choked up, Sean, but I, I do think there is there is more to be excited about than maybe Tar Heel fans and IC subscribers have seen in the past. Rel, one more soundbite I want to throw to you before we put a bow on this show. Um, I want to say that it was Caleb Love said that he watched a lot of Marcus Page and Joel Berry. 
And I got to think that that's the type of thing that, you know, he's either saying that because he knows Roy Williams is going to eventually hear it. Or if he really feels that way, he's going to quickly get himself into, into coach Williams's good graces. Do you, do you feel like that's a, you feel like there's an accurate comparison, not necessarily in their playing styles, but maybe in the way that, that those, those guys compete. Yeah, I think so. Um, and uh, I, I'll put it on the message board at some point, but we talked to a few people around Caleb Love, uh, before, you know, I guess it was during the summer, maybe. Um, it was specifically about pick and roll. But in talking to you know his trainers and some of his high school coaches, um, they said that they were preparing for UNC by going back and watching you know old footage of Carolina point guards. They watched Cole and they watched Kobe. They talked specifically about Marcus and they talked specifically about Joel Berry. They even mentioned Kendra Marshall. Um, so you know they did their research and they wanted to uh, in the time after the gyms opened back up. I guess this was maybe mid-May. They wanted to really push Caleb um, to work on some of the sets that Carolina traditionally runs to um, try to get himself familiar with more of a freelance uh, offense because he is a player who in high school, I think, was very reliant on pick and roll, uh, especially in high school to some degree, but even more so more so in AAU. And so the question was, um, because it was an issue for Cole, they, they changed things a little bit for Cole because he's very much the ultimate kind of pick and roll guy. That's what he's been playing his entire life. So the question was, how do you get someone who's played pick and roll pretty much their entire life <clears throat> outside of a few instances ready for the kind of freelance offense that North Carolina runs? And um, their answer was, you know, to, to run drills around Carolina stuff and to watch videos of Paige and Barry. Now, I think what surprised them and what surprised us, frankly, is that uh, Anthony Harris isn't as far as along as a lot of us thought slash were told slash uh, heard. Um, and so that leaves Andrew Playtech as really the only other healthy guard. And I think, um, you know, Davis can do a few more things than Playtech uh, from the two guard or, or from the one position. So you're looking at likely a starting backcourt of those two. And I think once that happened, then they probably went back and said, okay, the last time that North Carolina really played this style was with Barry and Page. We need to yeah. figure out kind of how we fit into that mold or figure out some of the things that they did, some of the wrinkles that they did. Um, and, and maybe that'll help us. So um, I think it's a, a, I think he really did do it because we talked to him back in May. But I also think now that we're learning about um, Anthony Harris's rehab, that yeah. is probably more of a reality that they have to kind of learn and see what those guys did. And to back up on what Shrells just said about Anthony Harris, uh, Coach Williams did confirm this week that he is not on schedule and there is a chance that he may not be ready for the start of the season. So just want to get that out there to all of our subscribers and listeners. All right, fellas, anything else you guys want to throw in on this episode of the Coast to Coast podcast before we put a bow on it? Month away. Isn't, it, isn't that crazy? It's crazy. <laughs> Sean, what you got, man? Anything? Nope. Um... Have, have your blessings to say sayonara. Yep. <laughs> As always, we appreciate Sean Moran, uh, three hours behind us, and Sherelle McMillan here on East Coast Time, giving us their time and insight to the Coast to Coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. Uh, one more shout out to our friends over at Johnny T-Shirt. Check them out, JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Right now, they've got a ton of new arrivals. I was looking at the site earlier this week. A uh, ton of new arrivals, uh, new gear stuff for the winter uh all of the good looking uh jordan brand stuff i saw some um some unc throwback pants or not pants shorts that they got and they've also got some of the uh the cream colored fleece sweatpants which look absolutely amazing so be sure to hit up johnny t-shirt check them out johnny t-shirt.com 
if you're a premium subscriber, use the code, get your extra 10 on top of that. Don't be a dummy. Get your 10%, put it on top of whatever Johnny T-shirt's already bargaining with you at uh, and save yourself some money. But mainly support Johnny T-shirt because they support us. With that, I'd like to bid everyone a sayonara, adieu, a Vitor Zane, all that good stuff. We appreciate you listening to us here on Inside Carolina. I'm Joey Powell for Sean Moran and Cheryl McMillan. We'll hit you next time. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.